Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 11 of Season 5 of Mover a Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Niall Gowan of the Bat Minute. Welcome to the show, Niall. Podcasters, there'll be a law. <laughs> Definitely there should be. <laughs> so thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking time out of out of your taking your bat time. You know, same bat channel, same bat time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. To, oh, to always, find oh. some time to talk about something else that that doesn't include bats. Well, you know, there's a, there's there's always relations to Batman and nearly everything though. So Ooh, <laughs> that's that is very true. That is very yeah. true. And did, I mean, you don't have to spoil it yet, but did you find things in this week's minutes that are connected to Batman? Uh, no, no, nothing too glaring this time. Usually there's a, like, particularly when you have, uh, like, goons involved and stuff, nearly all the time they will relate back to Batman in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> most of it will just be like, oh, like, oh, this, you know, William Sadler did the voice of so-and-so in, like, you know, a Batman cartoon one time. It's nothing too, um, there's not, no, no major, uh, major connections this time, this time, but usually, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh. You know, we have a recurring catchphrase on the show of everything's connected for a reason, because everything is connected to Batman. Actually, oh, wait, no, we'll get to it when we get to it. We'll get okay, to it. no, I was going to say, you're, so you're saying that Batman is like the, the top of the, the, the you know, the, the genealogy chart and everything comes out of that? Is that what you're telling me? I think it's because, well, at this point, it's like it's almost unavoidable because they just keep making Batman movies. So eventually there will be like a connection to literally every film ever made somehow linking to Batman. It's like, oh, okay, that's get, true. keep, keep that's them going. True. Do you count Joker as a Batman movie? Uh, well, I would if I wanted to be uh, making connections. I would allow it for tenuousness. Uh, but to be fair, no. Every time Joker is brought up, I don't. Um, I, I don't mind the movie. Like I'm almost like, oh no, it was you know well made and stuff for what it is. But I do have a real thing of like, that's not the Joker though. That's just a completely different character. Like what the hell is this? That's that's not the Joker. But um, right. but you know, but if I if I want to like win in a quiz or something. Then yeah, we totally count it. But like usually, I would be like, no, 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 completely. Uh, but it's Elseworlds, I guess. So uh, right. okay, get away with fair. it in that regard. Fair. No, but Elseworlds. I mean, all of the Batman don't take place in the same universe. That's, That's the whole true. thing. Yeah. So every yeah, yeah. every one of them is Elseworld. Mm. Uh, yeah. There's there a thing the other day where I was like, I heard someone talking about it because like, you know, Joker Two is coming up. Yes. Uh, and they're saying like, oh, you know, like uh, Arthur Fleck, you know, is a hero of the people. This Joker, and I was just like. The Joker is a hero of the people. What the? What world are we living in? But oh well, I'll just let it go. I'll just have well, to it's go. when you when you think of anarchy, so then he's a he's a, a person of the people. Why not? Yeah, but that's just it's just so weird again. The last like you know since two thousand and eight, the Joker has now slowly morphed into this Robin Hood figure. It's like he was literally supposed to be like the embodiment of chaotic evil. What the hell is going on now? But uh, the times they are changing. I guess that's true. You see, Heath Ledger left us, and that's it. We we yeah we no longer have anything to. To, to hold on to when it comes to the Joker. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Uh, what can you do? But we're we're not here to talk about the Joker. Well, we might be, but right, we're in general we're here <laughs> to talk about Die Hard too. So minute eleven begins with a gun peeking out of a hidden holster, and ends with Stewart saying a joke. Mm. So I, I I gotta you know I gotta fall on my sword when I when I can. So on. Friday, when I ended things, 
So, you know, I was reading in the script and the script mentions that, that McLean sees a holster. And I was like, I didn't even remember that he saw a holster. So I was like, no, that's something that they said in the script and didn't happen in the movie. And this minute begins with a fraction of a second shot of the holster. So yeah, there we go. This I is, was wrong. It, it's <laughs> up until doing, making notes for this. I would never have noticed that either. It's exactly. so like, so quickly done. I right. spent an entire lifetime just assuming like McLean was just like, I don't, I got vibes. I got bad vibes. That's why I started looking <laughs> That's at what him. I thought too. I thought, I, I actually always thought he saw him then move the package with, with their foot. And that was what threw him off. You know, I didn't realize that, that, you know, he sees Cochran lean down and he sees the holster and okay, that actually makes sense. That's you know, this minute very much hinges on two things that just could not pass these days with one someone just in an airport with a gun and a holster just hanging around is a is no big deal and two john mcclain smoking within the terminal that is another real like holy moly this is this is 1990 all right because that's geez. right that and and cops and cops drinking cappuccinos <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. assume, is it, you, are they verified as cappuccinos i was assume like they just well they, they, off, offer, like, they, they asked for cappuccinos on on friday's minute whether oh, okay. whether they get cappuccinos or not this is a different thing that I couldn't tell you. you know, they might they, but, might, uh, they might Irish it up in, the, in their own time, I guess. Really, they, I don't know if Vito would do that. You know, uh, <laughs> I guess he's, he's even like, well, we call it Italian it up, and it's just that's right. No, but he, he, I mean, as as we know, he's 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 a by the book guy, and there's a oh my god, cannot believe we're talking like oh, oh, there any connections to Batman. The biggest connection to Batman is, of course, Robert Costanzo, who is the voice of Harvey Bullock in the Batman animated series. There it's like his one big thing to me. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's like before anything else. As soon as I see Robert Costanzo, I'm like, oh, Harvey Bullock. Yeah, of course. You see, when, so, I, so, see yeah. him, when I see him, I think of this movie. I think of City Slickers. Mm. City Slickers, he plays the, the guy who explains, you know, they're, they're at the, the, the parents' day, you know, right at the beginning. And he's the, the, the guy, the, the construction worker. You know, who we see like the, the the crack in the butt, you know, as he's talking to the kids <laughs> and he's swearing to the kids as he's telling the story, you know, of how they once saved a woman, you know, who uh, who was walking across and something fell on her legs. Mm, mm. You know, and then and uh, I also remember him from uh, Total Recall. Oh, cool. yeah, well, Total Recall. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, he's like the, the guy who kind of he's supposed off to keep an him. eye on. He's supposed yeah. to keep an eye on uh, on on. Uh, on Quaid and doesn't yeah. doesn't do a good enough job apparently. He's a guy who sets up the whole the, the internal the eternal total recall debate of people going like, is it did he get lobotomized? It's because the reason you have that in your head. That's right. It's because Robert Costanza was like, ah, oh, a buddy of mine got lobotomized over there. What the hell, you know? Yeah, but stay away from recall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I I I just always remember feeling a little bit well, not bad for him. It's not as if the guy's you know not doing well, but um, he uh, because obviously he played Joey's dad. On yeah, that's right. Right. He's, he played Joey, and, uh, Joey Tribbiani's father. And I remember seeing him interviewed one time where he's talking about, obviously, because Joey got his own spinoff show. Mm-hmm. And I remember freaking Adriana from Sopranos played the sister and That's stuff. That's right. And, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Robert Costanzo was saying, like, apparently he was given a contract and said, like, you will get to play like a series regular, like in the next season. You'll just be bumped up to like, you're going to get you're going to get paid every week, man. You're going to be like. A proper character on this show every week, and he's like, "Oh, great! I got like good, you know, long time work coming up." And then the show was canceled. <laughs> it was just like, "Yeah, I was supposed to be like a, you know, I was gonna be a sitcom star." And then 
hey, what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> like just got snatched away from him. And the thing, like, you know, you think, oh, it's a spinoff from Friends, the most successful show in the world. This can't fail. I'm going to be working steady for like the next seven years at least. <laughs> and then somehow it got canceled. It's, like, well, it's because they made a show about Joey and not about some of the others. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, yeah, they're, they're lining up to do a freaking spin up of uh, The Office with Dwight. And it's like, don't make the joke character the main character. The joke character is supposed to be a side <laughs> character because he's so weird. You can't exactly. have a whole thing focused around them. They, they, they become the straight man, and then it becomes, the, the whole thing messes itself up. Yeah. It's true. I, 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 you're completely right about that. So, what can I tell you? So, basically, you know, John sees. Uh, Cochran's holster, right? So I, I decided to actually look up about holsters. Do, do you wow. know the different types of holsters that you can have for a for a handgun? Any any? Well, clue? the thing is, you're uh, you're talking to someone here who like lives in a, a a country that doesn't have guns, basically, like or didn't have guns. Like I'm from Ireland. Obviously, there were guns in Ireland for a long yes. time because of the troubles and stuff. But don't tell anyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things of just like, you know, I have American friends who know a lot about guns. I'm like, I've never seen a gun. And oh, I've seen them in real life because the freaking British Army used to walk around with them all the time. But uh, I've you've never, never held you've, a gun. I've you've never, never held a gun? Really? You've never even got – in England, you can't go to like to a shooting range or anything like that, rent a gun and no, go shooting? No, nothing. Else. Oh, actually, no. To be fair, just this year, I went to a shooting range for the first time. And before that, no, never had held a gun. Never been near a gun beyond when I was a kid and it used to have the British soldiers was wandering around. And then after like 1997, you didn't get that so much either. So right. no, I, I couldn't tell you a single thing. Like the amount of things on Batman, we always look up guns and we're just like, apparently this is a whatever. <laughs> we just we're going <laughs> from a complete novice perspective because no, no, we're just, we're never, we're never near those, those things over here. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. You see, I, I live in a country where everyone has guns. So <laughs> in Israel, you know, it's, that that's not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, particularly holsters. I was like, you can get different kinds of holsters. It's like, yeah, I just put it in my right? pocket. <laughs> one of them, one of them. Uh, well, I, I don't know if you'd want to put a gun in your pocket. That That's, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want a gun going off by accident in your pocket. Yeah. So that, I, I actually looked it up, and they have about 12 different types of, of holsters that you can get. You have the outside the, the waistband uh, holster or a belt holster, which is mostly what you see in Westerns, you know, where you see the, the holster is, is on the outside, okay? Yeah. Then you have the inside the waistband holster, which is what you see in movies when, when people are, like, off-duty, you know, so you have it either they put it in the small of their back or you have it on, on their waist. Mm-hmm. All right. Then you that's have, the one like under the jacket, the kind of like the the reaching in under kind of under your armpit. Is that that right. kind of one? No, that's not that yeah. one. No, I'm, the, oh. the one, that one I'm talking about. Like for instance, you you have you seen Point Break? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Right. So when the the cop is lying on the ground in the bank and he like pulls out his gun, it's like in it's like he lifts up his shirt from behind. It's in the small of his back. You know, oh, in the waistband yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. What else you have? Then you have shoulder holsters, which is what one of the possibilities of what we see here. Okay, it's two straps that are connected like a like a backpack basically, and then the the holster is mounted on the strap on one of the sides, and then it's easy for you to reach your hand into your jacket and then pull it out from basically under your armpit type of thing. Yeah, um, they call it shoulder holster because armpit holster doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> bra, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I, I guess would agree they're, with that. They're, and they're better too for like 
I guess if you're kind of like a not undercover, well, probably also when you're undercover, but just yeah, if you don't want to be walking around intimidating people by having a gun at your hip the whole time. But yeah, but that didn't help Cochran because you know you can actually see it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's part of the plot, I guess. You know. Yeah. And then well, that's because of McLean's vibes. He just he's he's just vibing. And he's just like, oh my god, I can sense the shoulder holster over there. That's right. <laughs> and then you have sling holsters, which are similar. To, to that, but it also has one that goes across the chest, hmm. uh, a strap that goes across the chest, just in order to to, to keep it, uh, I guess, firmer, so that it doesn't uh, it doesn't swing out when you're walking around Dulles Airport, you yeah. know, reaching <laughs> reaching for a package, you know. It'd be like you know the the uh, and a flashback now. I was like, if only I've taken that other holster. That's this right. whole thing could have been <laughs> having a flashback to like the holster. Like, ah, oh, it's two dollars extra. Two dollars. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> well, part of the thing is, is that it, it seems as if the holster, you know, what's the whole point of the packages? I, I, you know, I think I thought the whole idea was is that the the packages are supposed to be the guns. But, well, but maybe the obviously the, the packages are obviously presents for Esperanza, uh, you know, just to, sell, to celebrate them getting out. <laughs> it's like, hey, here you go. There's a, there's a cake in there, you know. Right, because in the script, in the script we talked about last week when when he when uh, when when one of the guys, I think it's Baker, shoots the custodian. So in the script, he shoots him through the the package, you know, mm-hmm. showing that the the gun is in the package. But in the movie, mm-hmm. you don't see him shoot through the package. He is carrying the package, which is also very strange showing up in in a, a church you know that you're going to do well, some electrical work and you have this christmas package they're like oh hey we wanted to bring the custodian a package for christmas i guess i just want to have like backup artillery so assuming in the packages will be like the heavy machine like machine guns and stuff and i was like well what if i need something that's you know yeah. I, I have to quickly kill you know someone on the fly i'll just have i'll have a gun right instead of having to fit her with a, fa- a package i'll just have you know a little thing under my uh, although again, in modern air, like you know, airports, this is just like you're at, like, dude, you couldn't even get in there with your shoes on. For That's Christ's right. Sake, you know? <laughs> Ironically, now, now you could do Die Hard too now, where John McClane doesn't have his shoes in this movie, theoretically. Really. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Um, then you have uh, thigh holsters, which is you usually see in spy movies, maybe in like James Bond, you know, where a woman has a gun on the inside of her thigh. Yeah. Um, then you have ankle or boot holsters. Yeah, the uh, the classic the other one too holster. <laughs> exactly. It's always like hand over your weapons. The other one too. That's right. <laughs> um, and then the, the the last one that I found is a cross straw belt holster. Mm. Okay, which which is basically where you keep the gun on the opposite side of of where you you know if you're if you're a righty you have it on your left thigh, and if you're a lefty you have it on your right thigh. You know, so you can draw from the side. As opposed mm. to just you know pulling it from the same side, you know, that yeah. Type. Well, that seems like that would be less convenient to me. But um, uh, what, what do I know? No, I don't, I don't, okay. I would I would have to disagree with you on that. It it is a little more convenient to reach across and then pull it out because oh, okay. uh, because because think about it. If you're taking your arm, it's what what's easier for you to do with your arm to pull your arm up and back to to then pull. Uh, a gun out of you, the, the, your right hand side, or to just move your arm to the left hand side and then just pull it out. Mm. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But again, you know, I guess it all depends on the situation and what you really need it for. Mm. So, you know, well, my my entire knowledge of like guns is like, oh, Clint Eastwood in the good, the bad, and they're like, oh, look, right. he, he was pretty quick with it down by his side. So, you know, that's right. 
I guess okay. that's the best way. There, there you go. And there, sometimes you'll see in 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 movies, you know, where where or westerns, you'll see that they have on both sides backwards, and then they cross their arms to pull out the guns. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe in Reservoir Dogs they did that also at some point. I don't know. I don't remember. I think I do do in Dirty Harry. I think he because he had that gi- that freaking forty four Magnum was giant, but I yeah. think that was all, that was a shoulder holster thing. It's like how do you fit that thing under your jacket? It's huge. Like it's. It's the cliche, but it's like, damn it, Callahan, that cannon is against regulations, you know? But it's Clint Eastwood, so what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you can fire the thing without any recoil, which is, you know, again, not an expert in guns, but what, looking at Dirty Harry, he's like, I'm pretty sure you'd be like blown back by that thing. Now. Probably. I would, I, would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that statement. Um, so then the, the, the shot changes, and we see both, uh, we see Garber walk away. And uh, then Cochran follows, follows along with him. And John is just eyeing them. You know, and we, we mentioned this last week. You can still see the beers on the table, which mm. you'd think that that Stewart would probably be very happy, uh, very unhappy, if he knew that they were drinking beers before they're about mm. to go do something. Yeah, well, I've, I've got notes for later this week. Like I, I had to say, Hans Gruber would be spinning in his grave if he saw some of these guys on the <laughs> job. You know, this is the organizational, uh, you know standard between movies is, is, is really significantly dropped which yeah. is even weirder considering they're military guys but, right uh, oh sure. well we'll get to that all right we'll, we'll get, get there. to it i'm looking forward to hearing that and then uh john then takes a long puff of his uh newly lit cigarette because you can see that it, it really isn't uh he, he actually just just lit it you know a minute or two ago and you know then stuffs it out so he just just needs that one puff that's all he needed and then he grabs his jacket and gets up and starts uh looking at them and then he sees them walk away and then he walks towards the bar and we hear someone just say out out loud we don't i don't know who this is they say scott straight up please and then he walks over to the two policemen who are standing there and goes excuse me officers this may sound like a wild goose chase but i think i saw and first of all i wanted to mention the fact that that the wild goose chase this is the second time in Die Hard that they mentioned that they used the phrase wild goose chase because they did use oh, that in, in the original Die Hard also. Well, how could the same phrase be said by the same guy twice? That's right. And <laughs> in in that one, you know, we had uh, Eddie, you know, when he when he's when he's pretending to be the desk guard uh, when he was talking to Al. So he said, oh, the computer probably sold, sent you on a wild goose chase. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I like I saw the the phrase wild goose chase, and when I was doing research for this, and I was like, I know I've done that before, and I had to start going through my different movies to figure out which one it was in, and it was just very funny that it actually was in Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. So, which yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So I'm gonna have to now look in when I do Die Hard three and Die Hard four if they have the phrase wild goose chase around there or not. I don't know. And yeah. as he's he's saying this, the the, the cop who's there turns around. And we see that it's Robert Costanza. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Costanza. Costanza. That's right. And this was prior to to uh, Seinfeld becoming so popular. So, yeah. Mm. And it's a, was it Costanza or Costanzo? Right. Exactly. It's it's not the same. It's yeah. not exactly the same. But but so the, I want, I want, there is a resemblance. I want to do a uh, can't stand you joke. But it's like, no, it doesn't work. Can't stand yo. Nah. Yeah. No. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Uh, and then he says, "Say what? Saw what?" And we see the, the 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 gears moving in in John's mind, and John's like, "Oh, great, this guy again." You know, I think it's 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 the way that he says 
this. So what? Because he it, he already has a bad attitude. As soon as he clocks us McLean, it's it's as if he's like, no matter what he says, I'm not gonna give this guy the time of day. Like That's right. he just has like, oh, so what? Like as if he's like, oh, you're only here to give me crap. And, so and John why figures would I it out too. So that's great. Yeah. Although it's such an odd thing. Considering these two men are cops and neither of them can just go like, okay, let's be serious for a second. And I can actually discuss this with you. But both of them are just like, you know what? We're not going to resolve this problem because we both don't like each other for a mild altercations we had just outside just two minutes ago. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Like, what, what the, the, there's the sliding doors version of this movie if McLean had just gone like I, I, you know, I'm telling you I saw this guy from blah, 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 and then pleading with the other cop to be like look seriously I'm a cop from friggin New York and I'm currently in uh, and then but you know they could have got this solved a lot faster but, yeah well no they would have they would have taken Cochrane that would have been it they wouldn't have solved everything oh okay yeah, yeah. although I can imagine it probably would have ended up in like Cochrane would have shot you know he would have shot this one cop and then you could have had a, a great buddy cop movie with Vito and McLean. There you it's, go. Uh, <laughs> it's so, it, it, that would be so a great name like for that. the movie, Vito and McLean. Yeah, yeah. Just make a movie, just call that now anyway. <laughs> just like, is there anything to do no, with that? No, but it won't be the no. same. It wouldn't be the same without Bruce Willis and Robert Costanza. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, that's I true. don't know. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I am uh, very wary now of, like, I am certain there's, a, there, there's execs sitting in Hollywood now looking at Bruce Willis going, like, how long have we got until we can reboot Die Hard? Because they're, they're well, basically... Let's hope not. Like, let's we, hope can't, not. we can't do it. Oh, I hope it never happens, but I I am certain that there's people sitting there going now, it's like, tick-tock, you know, there's going to be a time where we're like, now we've got nothing holding us back now, so... And then it'll go ahead, and it'll be... No one will want it, and it'll just be one of those things. That are, like they announced yesterday, they're rebooting the X-Files. And it's just like, who wants that? Nobody well, that's that's what they're doing them. here nowadays. Everyone just wants to reboot, and, and and no one has original ideas. They said, "Oh, let's take the old ideas and bring them back," which yeah. which in some ways it's it it sounds great, but then when it actually happens, you're like, "Huh? Why are they doing this?" Yeah. You know, and and I think yeah. it has a lot to do also. For instance, when, when you're talking about TV shows, they've they've changed the way that they make TV shows nowadays because. Because back in the in in the day, back in the eighties, nineties, or seventies, even when the TV shows, most episodes were standalones. You know, you might have had an overall picture of what's going on, but now the show has to have a running theme that is touched upon in every episode. You know, yeah, and yeah. and and that's the main thing. Like, for instance, I'll give you a perfect example: is Quantum Leap. Okay, which they just rebooted this past year. I loved the original show. I love the fact that every episode is completely standalone and there's there's very little connections between them besides the fact that you have the two main characters. That's it. You know, and yeah. you can you can change around the order, you can you can do so many things about with it. Now have you oh, the, the handy thing is that you could literally Oh, I, I missed it the last three weeks, but I'm watching it now. Oh, you haven't missed it. Exactly. It's, it's, it's... That's right. And then they ha- they would have reruns also the same way. You'd watch a rerun and you'd be like, okay, great. I didn't see this episode before. So, and I'm not, I didn't miss anything by not seeing it in order. So yeah. I, have you, have you watched the new show? No, I, I was, I remember hearing that they're rebooting Quantum Leap okay. and then just didn't, I didn't like, the same thing happened with like uh, when they rebooted Magnum PI and MacGyver. I was just like, I heard it was happening. And then I turned around. I was like, no, no, it's like two seasons in now. Like, right. Well, neither of those, neither of those, I, I, I didn't watch either of those, but because I like Quantum Leap so much, I decided to, that I would watch this one. And I mean, the, the, the leaps are less consequential 
in in yeah. this new show because there's this overall conspiracy theory that they're they're dealing with you know in real time yeah. and that's yeah. like the main thing and that that's what tv shows do nowadays and you know it's 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 oh, very oh, different oh, oh. from what i grew up on at least <laughs> I just remember seeing the because the one show that recently really tried to bring it back is Poker Face, the Natasha Leone mm-hmm. and Brian Johnson show, and that is like to be fair, that does have an overarching story, but like most of the episodes are unrelated to it. Right. So it will be like it's a mystery of the week thing where you know someone commits a murder and then Natasha Leone shows up and she's somehow connected and then she solves who it is by the end. And I remember seeing like younger people in comment sections going like, "I'm enjoying the show." But isn't it a bit stupid that like every episode there's like a different crime and she's always there to solve it and it's just like she shows up <laughs> in different places and then she has to solve another murder like that's ridiculous. I was like that used to be like 98% of TV was <laughs> just like the next week something else happens somewhere else and that's the well, character think about, there. Think about murder she wrote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many and, people and, can and, die uh, in in that little town in Maine? <laughs> well, that's the the thing is uh, over in uh, England. Too. There's a show called Midsummer Murders set in a little English village. That's little tiny village. It might only have like a hundred people. That's been going on for 25 years, and it's all about murders in the same little village. Yeah. I was like, how is, how is everybody not dead yet? Like, it's, it's that many people dying all the time, and they're all getting murdered. There's not accidental deaths. There's a new murderer every damn week. But, oh wow. Oh. <laughs> right. So, so John's response is Elvis. Elvis Presley. Yeah, I love the fact that he has to clarify Elvis because he's my best. Not not Costello. Elvis Presley. Right. <laughs> like you should know that that's who I. Saw. That's true. But but what's great is is that that in the late eighties, early nineties, that's when there was huge, uh, you know, all these these fake sightings of that Elvis is still alive. You know that. Oh yeah. And that's that's the. the uh, I don't know if you guys got it in America, because uh, I think people in it were doing very thick put on American accents. So maybe it was a maybe it was a European ad. But there used to be a kit, an ad for Kit Kats, all based around that. It was like iconic back in the '90s, where it was a guy in a chair flicking around the TV, and it's all these like red rednecks and stuff going, "Yeah, it was him, I saw," and going like, "Yeah, he was abducted by rock and roll loving aliens," and then you know they cut the reporter going, "No, we can't verify that. You know, look in the grave, the king is in fact dead," and it revealed then that the guy in the chair. <laughs> Was Elvis going, oh, I ain't dead, baby. I'm just having a break. And he just snaps a Kit Kat and eats it. And, uh, yeah, I always associate, anytime now people mention Elvis still being alive, I'm like, like the Kit Kat ad, right? Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, he, so he, and then John, at this point, just turns away from them. He, he apparently has nothing to do. He doesn't want anything to do with them. He's not really interested in dealing with Vito. He's a little still, I guess he, He's still pissed at him a little bit, you know. Yeah. And then, and then John walks away, and as he's walking away, we get the line that you started today's minute with. First, yeah. ought to be a law. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, I was very curious though, as to like what the other cops thinking though, because they're just like, what this random guy? Right. I'm assuming. I'm assuming Vito crap about Elvis. That's right. I'm assuming what Vito explained it to him afterwards. You know, said, you know, that's yeah. a guy I just gave a ticket to, and you know, but but the question is, is do you think he really remembers that John's from LA? Uh, well, uh, well, I, I, I definitely, cause I, I mean, we just saw it 11 minutes ago, but he, you know, yeah, was... I, I just, I just, I think I might stick in his mind because it's such an exposition dump that, that scene. It's just like, yes, I am a cop. I'm currently living in LA because of my wife's job, but I used to come from New York, but now we're here in the city of Washington. <laughs> and this airport, I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're only two minutes in, buddy. Like, comment. That's, that's right. And then, 
you know, at least they catch us up, but they also catch up Vito. Yeah. So, you know. Mm. <laughs> so, well, I think I, he probably, in that moment, though, he probably had a, he, he might have seen the shield and was just like, eh, whatever. But he, he probably was, as soon as he heard, I'm from L.A., that wormed its way into his head. He's like, oh, ass from L.A., screw this guy. You know, that's, and I, I know that no matter what else John said to him, I don't think he got past. As soon as he heard the words L.A., he's just like, nope. I will not give you claim to see Elvis Presley down there all the time. The nuts in LA. Right. Okay, that that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And then the the show. Although so, but again though, like it's it just so what Vito just thinks McLean came over just to make that joke. Yeah, exactly. Like he thinks <laughs> it just the whole thing seems a bit like what I don't know. I, I always thought too a policeman would be a lot more aggressive, but like hey. You trying to waste police time? Like, what the hell are you coming? You giving us crap? What the hell are you doing, buddy? Like, we're, we're, we're you know, we're just trying to do our jobs over here and stuff. But oh well. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that in a few days when we when we talk more about the the Vito's job. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. And at this point, uh, the the shot changes and we get a reporter who's who's uh, who's sitting there uh, interviewing all these people from the Justice Department and and she says there's a lot of people from the Justice Department here. Is there a reason for that? And she puts the microphone to one of them, and he goes, "Just routine." And she goes, "Just routine?" <laughs> yes. Any comments, sir, to the to a different one? Not now. Thank you, sir. Thanks. And I was wondering, so these these two men are like identical yes. as well. Like, I well, was, one is I was, one's a little is older. A... It's like a father and son, but they're wearing the same clothes. Yeah, this is it's not so much like how, how could the same <laughs> happen the same guy twice. It's like how can the same guy. Twice, like it's just the same dude. But maybe, maybe uh, that has to do with the fact that they're, you know, that these are these are the clothes that people from the Justice Department wear, I guess. What they, I was wondering if they were, you know, uh, there was any kind of way they would extrapolate this into like an an Agent Johnson and Special Agent Johnson joke, because <laughs> so these guys are from another bureaucracy, but also they like they might have name tags that both say like Robertson or something on them. And they're also both like, yeah, they just wear the same clothes and just have the same haircut. And they basically look like they're the same exact man. <laughs> but, um, although I got a very big blast though. Speaking of FBI, like the whole outfit, I guess maybe it's just cause it's both, they both came out in 1990, but it's very, um, agent Cooper in twin peaks. Mm, this thing. It's true. That, that trench, that trench coat and that, that suits like, Oh, that's a, that's a very agent Cooper look and the hair too. But you always had a kind of cooler swept black kind of thing going on. But, um, yeah, but I was wondering in some ways because they're so similar. I was like, this that feels to me like there should be an Agent Johnson joke here. But uh, it's, weirdly, that was not one of the beats they repeat from the first yeah. movie. I, I guess, thankfully, you know, we, we do want this to feel as unique as possible, where it's not just repeating everything yeah. that they did in the previous one. Uh, it's, and I do appreciate, too, then when they do bring that back in Die Hard 4, it is like a, ah! Exactly. You know, like they mentioned again, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the F- Agent Johnson from the FBI. Like, oh, my God, there it is. Right. That's true. And Samantha looks like she's like exhausted, just asking these, you know, uh, mundane questions and getting even more mundane answers for the whole thing. Yeah. You know, but she's of course on Monday. That's right right, here, but, a mundane questions for a Monday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, she's at least polite about it. And then she looks around and she's looking for some sort of salvation and she sees Stuart. You know, and she can see that she sees Garber walking with Stuart. Obviously, she doesn't know who Garber is. We do. <laughs> um, yep, yep. You know, the the two of them are, are are whispering to one another. And first she goes, hey, that's Colonel Stewart over there. And then we, we hear a little bit of the conversation. And Garber says, got a little problem with personnel. Last minute replacement. 
and then we get uh, the how's the security here? How's the security here? Like we figured a joke. <laughs> a, I mean, I, I like the yeah. I like the fact that you know if you've never seen this movie before, you don't catch this line. You don't know what they're doing here. You know that they're they're no, they're giving no. us a little bit of a preview of of what we're going to find out in like an hour and a half from now. But I think you're still you're still too. Minutes later, you're still too distracted by the naked Tai Chi with William That's Sadler. <laughs> so like, oh, That's a good point. I was not expecting That's right. that. After well, that was ten minutes, that was ten <laughs> minutes ago, and people are still thinking about that. You're right. There, there is something to that. I also mean, like you know, you obviously know we're going through it minute by minute, but like this movie is so front loaded, like just like massive exposition dump in the first minute, and then like minute three or whatever is just like naked William Sadler. <laughs> like what? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and then all the stuff about uh, Franco Nero in the That's background. Right. Like, I don't think the first, like, five times I watched the movie, I don't think I heard a word of that. Because I was just like, why? Is, I'm just looking at William Sadler's ass now. Like, what, what's happening? True. Then later on, I was like, oh, no, they're telling you everything you need to know about the bad guy. Like, oh, oh. So, no, uh, and also it was very timely at the time because when this came out, this was all around. Well, everything was going on in Panama and the Iran-Contra hearings and Noriega. And that that's what they're talking about here, basically. So I, maybe, yeah, maybe at yeah, the yeah. time, I mean, I, I saw this in the theater when it came out. Um, did, did, do you remember what the first time you was when you saw this movie? Oh, it would have been just randomly on television because uh, I, I think I was born in '87. Mm, okay, so I was was no nowhere near ready to watch. You this, mean your this, parents this didn't take a three year old Nile to go see Die Hard two? Unbelievable! Yeah, I, I think you need yeah. to fire your parents. Um, I think I I think I, I I saw like the Die Hard movies out of order too. I think this might have been like up until obviously I saw four when that came out. Obviously, because I was mm, age then. Okay. Um, but uh, but I think I saw with a vengeance first. Okay. And then I remember really wanting to see. It's such a bizarre period of time because obviously back then didn't have access to the internet. Didn't because uh, I grew up a small town in Ireland. The video stores weren't great, so a lot of time you just had to wait for things to come on TV. And I wanted to see the first Die Hard so much, and it seemed like it just wasn't on TV for like oh, years wow. over here. And I remember then when it eventually showed up, I was like, thank. God, here it is. <laughs> and then I finally got seen Die Hard. And around that time, it was like one of these things that they do constantly now. It's like, well, it's Christmas time. Yeah, I got both. That's right. Uh, and so it would have been like, I guess I would have been probably like 10 or 11. And it was just randomly on TV. Uh, and I was, you know, just remember watching it and just been like, that was great. So, you know, and then finding out afterwards that people didn't like this one as much. Correct. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why. I, I like this one a lot. I, I don't understand. You know, for for me, the the Die Hard films are you have a, a a trilogy of great Die Hard movies, and then you have one that's really good but not as good, and then you have a terrible. You know, yeah, that, that's you know, it's yeah. it's a trilogy with with an appendix. You know, I can I can see this one. It's more clunky. I can see now in the now now in my elder years, I can see like oh, there's certain bits where I was like. You wouldn't, John McTiernan wouldn't let that pass. I feel like there's certain little bits. I was like, that's that could have been executed better, but still, people saying like, oh, this is a this is the bad one up until obviously there was the really bad one, uh, the game with five. Um, but still, like midway, like once it gets kicks into the action and stuff, like midway through, you're just like, this is just, just yeah. really fun. Like I kind of understand why you'd have any real beef with it. Like it's it mightn't be as good as the first one or the third one, but it's still pretty yeah. good, you know. But, uh, although I'm, 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 maybe it's just the contention, uh, me just being contentious for the sake of being contentious. But uh, maybe it's because I saw it first. But I, uh, people always rave about the first one, and I love the first movie. But I'm always having a little thing of like, I think, I think, I think 
uh, three is the best. I think I just I love I really love that film. Like Die Hard with a Vengeance, I think that's like the pinnacle of Die Hard for me. But uh, I, I have, well, I have trouble ranking all... them because the uh, ranking the first three for me the first three are all amazing. So you know it's hard for me to say which one I think is better. You know. Yeah, I think it could be though because I have a lot of like. I used to, but my friend uh, I used to hang around with in university. Me and him quoted with a vengeance, with a vengeance, ironically. Okay. Um, like just <laughs> and then and now me and my friend uh, through doing movies by minutes, uh, Dave Fowles, yeah. will occasionally just like send each other post notes of just going like sit simple payment, sit simple salmon to the payman, give me your pies, give your head, just randomly send each other riddles and German accents and stuff. And from that, it's just like well. Uh, I think with a vengeance, it's clawed its way up to the top just just by that. For okay, that's you know. definitely fair. But that uh, definitely makes sense. Now, yeah. my biggest question here is, you know, Garber is talking right now to Stewart, and he's he's informing him that they they've had a change in personnel. So why is he only telling him that now? You know, they 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 were in that motel together. He could have, you know, he could have mentioned something at that point. Mm, mm. You know, and also uh, and also. Uh, Maybe he was just like, if I tell him in the hotel, he might do something to me. So I'll wait until we're out. Because he was doing naked <laughs> tai chi at the time. Him. Who knows? He's like, I don't want that guy swinging, uh, <laughs> swinging his leg towards me when he's buck naked. So I'll wait until we're out in the open. And he's like, no, you can't punch me now, buddy. <laughs> and it, no, but also just two minutes ago, we, we saw Garber was in the phone booth, you know, on, on the walkie-talkie. So I had always assumed, even last week when I was talking about this, I assumed he's talking to, to Stewart, you know, that he's getting the go from Stewart that that the teams are in place. Yeah, um, but yeah. apparently not, because then it would be really strange for him to then be meeting Stewart a minute later. You know, like, why did you just wait? Mm. You know, I don't know. <laughs> No, let's see. He just couldn't stand to get away from him. You know, just like, I, just, I, just, I just like hearing your voice. There <laughs> All right, um, that's all I have for this minute. You have anything else for this minute before we get into the script? Um, no, no, nothing, nothing that can't be passed over into you know okay. other minutes, you know, because great. Yeah. Okay, so the the script has a, a few little changes in it, not many, but there's there's a few. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned, you know, on Friday it mentions the holster, which is something that's actually in the movie and not something that that uh, that, that they just made up. And then it says after uh, John shows up at the police. And says, uh, uh, this may be a total wild goose chase, but I think I just saw. It says, he stops, camera adjusts. The cop he's talking to is the same <laughs> who towed away his car. And then, you know, Vito says, say, saw what? And then he goes, Elvis. He doesn't even have to say which Elvis in the script. I mean, it might have been on set. They're like, well, you know, there is another right. very maybe, famous Elvis. Maybe. Hmm. So, yeah. That's right. <laughs> they might have been like, oh, my God, the Costello? <laughs> like, right. yeah. like, no, no, I should clarify. It's the dead Elvis, the one who's on. <laughs> and then it says McLean turns, throws money near his glass, and quickly exits the bar, which I, I guess makes sense because I don't think we saw him pay when he got up. <laughs> so mm. That's the thing I've never done. I always maybe I'm too neurotic. I've never done the movie. Yeah, you just, you just throw your money down and walk away. Right. No, like, I haven't done it either. I'll always be like, well. Yeah, it just seems like it would be like someone could just come and steal that's my right. money as well. You just expect <laughs> right. yeah, it's a real movie thing to do. So one of my pet hate things of the uh, in movies too is people ordering something at a cafe and then them showing up, putting down the drink, and then they get up and leave. And it's just like you you're paying for the thing, sit and that's drink right. your your coffee or whatever. <laughs> but that's very true. <laughs> 
or just like what McLean did here. I mean, I don't smoke, but you know, if I did smoke, I wouldn't, you know, take one puff and then and then put up my cigarette. That that's money too. You paid for it. You think too, like all the drama for that first movie. Like you know, he was he never had any. Like he's always looking for new cigarettes, or he was having to swipe things from people, and like he didn't even have shoes back then. <laughs> you should be like really savoring every puff. Like no, 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 I'll put it out. Well, it's, it's, later. I like, guess that's because it's not European cigarettes, so he doesn't like them anymore. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. So then it says uh, a shot with with the media trying to get the half dozen uniformed U.S. marshals or the three Justice Department lawyers to talk to them without success. But one reporter, Sam, notices Stewart moving through the airport, and then uh, <laughs> she says, "Hey," she nudges her cameraman. She goes, "Hey, Colonel Stewart." And the cameraman goes, "Ah, old news." And she goes, "Better than these loxes." <laughs> mm. And then uh, it says very quickly, Sam and the cameraman do their best to slip away from the pack. And then we have Stuart and Garber walking along towards the exit. And then Stuart says, everything on schedule. And he goes, tapping airport phones right now. Got a slight problem with personnel. Last minute replacement. What's the status of the security here? So, I mean, I like the fact that in the script, they actually say that they're tapping the phones because that's more or less what we find out later that, that they're going to be doing. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I guess they decided to, uh, to keep us in the dark about that, so we don't know exactly what it is. I thought, yeah, it's, I think I, I prefer it in the movie when you don't know. I think it's a good reveal later to be like, oh, like that's it. Actually, makes them seem so much more organized that they did that without even that's the true. audience. That's true. Well, know, we'll find out find out later this week if we can figure out what it is that that uh, you know that that uh, Miller and uh, Cochran are doing. But we'll we'll figure that out. So every yeah. Monday we have a segment called McLean Monday where my guests will give their top five Bruce Willis performances. So start with your number five and work your way up. Uh, also, uh, you know, sort of, you know, pondering this for a little, a little bit. Um, so sort of torn between two because I want to give a shout out to what I think like one of the, the some of the greatest range I've seen. So you can, you can, you, you can know, do an honorable mention if you want. I'll do an honorable mention for uh, genuinely for him and friends when he was in Friends as uh, Rachel's boyfriend for a little bit because he he was just, like him playing the tough you know intimidating just like he, Bruce Willis does have a presence about him so just everyone being kind of in fear of him just by him standing there and stuff really translated well <laughs> across the TV for me uh, yeah but I find that really creepy that that Ross was going out with his daughter at the same time you know oh. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Oh no, again, one one million percent justified. <laughs> Everything about Bruce Willis and that's like, I, I I understand why. Yes, my a professor dating my daughter would be a massive cause yes. for concern. Yeah, um, but the, and I just enjoyed like the, him able to make you know Bruce. We got a little Bruce Willis dance and stuff there. Him singing, making a making a tit of himself in front of the mirror and stuff. It's funny. So uh, give that an honorable mention, uh, and then. So my number five would be uh, actually his uh, his Twilight Zone episode. He did uh, Shatter Day, which is just like like incredible. Like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for wordplay. Uh, and throughout, I don't know. Have you, have you seen the Twilight Zone episode he's in? No, no, never seen it. Now, now I'm gonna have to go look. Oh, it's it's all on YouTube. Thankfully, it's one of those ones. The, the only problem with it is that it was from the '85 series, so they'd always try to like chuck in you know like uh two stories within the episode mm. so like it goes from like the it has this inciting incident and then it instantly goes to like him massively panicking and stuff and you're like whoa 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 whoa, calm down here but uh it was directed by wes craven uh oh wow 
you know, probably fresh off Nightmare on Elm Street, really, because uh, it's 85. So, and yeah, got a Bruce Willis, full head of hair, luscious locks and stuff on his head. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, basically, it's a very, it's actually a very, like, lost highway kind of setup where he accidentally rings his home phone number and then another Bruce Willis picks up and he sort of discovers, like, well, you can't be me. I, I'm me. And the other guy's like, no, I'm you, but you're me. And then they have a whole thing where he discovers that basically it's like his shadow self has somehow emerged. Uh, and it's um, does the classic doppelganger thing of like he starts living Bruce Willis's life better than him and stuff. But it has a thing of Bruce Willis getting to play like a sleazy businessman <laughs> and then who goes into complete emotional meltdown and starts panicking about everything. But the others, and a weird thing, like the other guy who's living his life better than him who's kind of the villain of the thing is very creepy and very quiet. And it's actually like a good villainous turn from Bruce Willis. Oh, wow. But also he's also like, he's a better person than the main Bruce Willis. Like he's like, no, I'm going to move our mother in with <laughs> us. And I'm, I've, I've cut off all your dodgy business dealing. Cause we should be more ethical than this. So it's weird that he's playing it very sinister, but he's actually like a good guy. And, stuff. Uh, and yeah, Bruce gets, it's it's very like, you know, it's Wes Craven and it's Twilight Zone. So it's very campy, uh, like deliberately so. Oh, wow. And like Bruce is clearly having just the time of his life getting to just be like crazy. Like, oh, my whole life's just falling apart and all this kind of stuff. So uh, I'll put that at number five. Um, I think gen- genuinely he's really, really a lot of fun on that. Uh, then I put... Number four, I would put him doing. I'm a I'm a '90s kid, uh, so one of the default Bruce Willis roles in my mind is him doing the voice of the villain in uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America, uh, where he was yeah, okay. he was muddy. The uh, like the whole the whole joke of the movie was that he accidentally hires Beavis and Butthead to do his wife, who was Demi Moore, voiced by Demi Moore in the movie, because right. obviously at the, at the mm-hmm. height of them been a couple and stuff, and. Um, to be fair to Bruce, because usually when Bruce does voice acting, like, you know, Bruno the Kid or, you know, freaking Look Who's Talking or whatever, you can always tell it's Bruce Willis. But in that, he's, like, fully invested in playing, like, a kind of hick, gruff drunk. So for a long time, I didn't realize that when I was a kid, I didn't realize that that's John McClane from Die Hard. He's actually, like, fully invested in playing the character and stuff. Uh, and, oh, wow. and, yeah, it's just a good you know, recurring joke of just, like, you know... I'll watch out for my wife. She'll do you as fast as she does as you do her. And even the man, like, whoa! <laughs> there's a lot of fun to be have there. And there's a bit later on where like they accident, like he ends up trying to kill them himself, and they accidentally escape. And he just has this great delivery of the line where he discovers the trunk empty, like the car trunk he put them in is empty. And he's like, God damn it, she did it to me again. And uh, in my in my day to day life. <laughs> Like at times when things go wrong, that that line will echo in my head. Bruce Willis's delivery of that, so um, I, I, oh, I genuinely wow. think he, yeah, Bruce Willis is really really good in Beavis and Butthead Do America. Like, uh, and so much. So, All right, that's fair. Uh, number three, getting into a lot of the simple ones now though. Twelve Monkeys, I'll put up there because I think he's just. Uh, I, I admire that's him really, you know, taking a punt and going out and doing weird sci-fi with Terry Gilliam. You know, mm-hmm. at the, at the height yeah. of his powers, you know, I had the blockbuster Bruce Willis in a vest nineties, you know. He went like, no, I'm going to do this weird, you know, dystopic nightmare, confusing as hell thing from the Monty Python guy. Like, I'm, that, that seems like that would be fun for me. Uh, and yeah, he gets to play like a, you know, uh, yeah, it just a crazy yeah, man. He gets, yeah, he, he, he gets to let loose. But it's just, yeah, it's one of those those things. Like, I can imagine at the time people saying Bruce Willis is in this. You probably immediately thought right. it was going to be some something really dopey. And I was like, no, no, no. It's, it's you know, Bruce, Bruce Willis 
is in fact an actor and he can do good stuff. Uh, so yeah, put that at number three. Uh, number two then is one uh, speaks closer to my heart is uh, Moonrise Kingdom, because um, I just love uh, that's my I'm a big Wes Anderson fan and that's my favorite Wes Anderson movie, and I love Bruce in it because again playing drastically against type like he's you know, yes. he has to play it very quiet but he's just got such an aching understated sadness throughout his whole performance <laughs> and everything if people know when that Wes Anderson movies they're always very like stoically shocked people often say like they're not very emotional they actually are quite emotional it's just that the characters have a kind of stiltedness to them uh and you know you have a sort of once you get past that style and read into it you know there's a lot of emotion there uh, and he's yeah. like he's he's doing the wes anderson performance but he's just got like everything he's doing just really pours through of just like how how intensely sad his character is and just like you really really feel for him very very quickly and i don't know if that's just been the enhanced like ability of Bruce Willis just shining through naturally, or if he's just that good an actor, you know. But uh, I just remember at the time that was you know that was around after like Cop Out and stuff came out, and Kevin Smith was out giving him crap all the time, and saying like, "Oh, this guy's washed up," and you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's just he's just lazy. He won't do proper films anymore. And then seeing Moonrise Kingdom and being like, "Well, he clearly can." <laughs> like he just wasn't doing it on <laughs> Cop Out. It's just a question of whether he wants. Yeah, to. when he's doing it with a script that's Cop Out, and there's just been ten and he's one. just like, "Well." No, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll phone yeah. this one in. But when it's a proper film like *Moonrise Kingdom*, or like, even freaking *Sin City*, is better than you know. Like, he's playing a gruff cop in that, but he's doing more of a performance, you know. But uh, so, right. and then number one, yeah, you can't debate the greats. Die Hard, you know, he's one of those things. Are just like a marriage between actor and material. It's just like you can't get any better than that. Uh, I know you specified. Yeah, and nobody and nobody believed it at the time. That's that's the funniest thing about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted I wanted to put in Moonlighting in the list, but it's been so long since I've seen Moonlighting, and they, they I know they've got a whole thing where they can't get it on streaming because it's like music rights issues and stuff. Oh wow! Right. So I've okay. been lobbying to rewatch Moonlighting for a long time. I haven't seen it since I was about twelve, but I remember loving it. But I, wow. I didn't want to put it on the list because like well i can't really verify that like that's a great performance it's been it's been decades since i've seen it you know but uh but yeah i gotta imagine that yeah, the guy from moonlighting did like an action hero is like what uh and yeah just all those and, and them themselves kind of losing sight of like the whole appeal of john mcclain is that he isn't an action hero he's a guy and then he's in right. extraordinary circumstances and then somehow this morphed into him fighting on the wing of a Harrier jet, you know, <laughs> you're like, what, what, what's happening here? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I know you specifically put in, uh, when you're asking, you know, to rank these things, which, which movie, and I will say Die Hard one, even though I prefer with a vengeance as a movie in many ways, uh, I'll put the first one because, okay, uh, that's fair. I think he just gets, he gets more range now. He gets to do all the quippiness and he gets to do the, you know, the, you know, he gets to be, and that's what spawned it all. You can look at it from that perspective also. Yeah, but but yeah. also that he he gets a genuinely very effective scene, which I don't I don't think he gets any emotional scenes in any of the other movies where they came Right. Yeah, you know, when he's like when he's taking the glass out of his feet, then he's on the he's on the radio to Powell basically saying, like, just tell my family. Like I was just I was just right. I was just trying to help people, you know, I was just trying to be a good guy and stuff. And Powell having to be like, Oh, come on, Cabo, you you know, you're gonna get home and stuff like that. You don't get anything like that in the other movies. And it's just that that right. moment of vulnerability in the claim is like it's something is sorely lacking from uh not sorely you know this movie and they, they don't have that and they're fine, but they, as it goes right. on, it's just like well remember when this guy wasn't human and stuff and he was played by a really good actor <laughs> who could portray an actual person and stuff like that so uh so yeah it's, you know it's one of those things it's just like 
I imagine you're probably going to be getting it from near enough everybody. But like, you know, you can't you can't debate Die Hard being his best role. I don't think. But uh, but we'll see. We'll see how you, how the rankings. We shall in. see. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we definitely shall see. I mean, I can I can I can tell you that at least within the last uh, two weeks, since this is only the third week, the number one movie only one of the times was Die Hard. Really? Oh wow. No. Yes. Was the other one Sixth Sense? Yeah. I bet that was Sixth Sense. No. 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 The other one was un- Unbreakable. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I can't. Well, the, the, yeah. the, the, what is it called? Uh, glass left a bad taste in my mouth. It's kind of t- yeah. Okay. I understand. Kind of tainted the I legacy of Unbreakable for me, but. Uh. <laughs> okay. All right. Great. So, Niall, you want to tell people where they can find? Yeah. You? Yeah. Uh, my main show uh is bat minutes as i mentioned several times featuring well actually this season uh we'll be talking about robert costanzo because we're currently recording episodes uh uh covering mask of the phantasm our own season five uh we have done Ooh. batman 89 through uh, up to and including batman and robin so all the live action movies of the 90s and not, we didn't want to end on the note of <laughs> batman and robin so we're doing Mask of the Phantasm to see the 90s out because uh, it's acclaimed as perhaps the best Batman movie. Uh, as me, my co-host John, and we get in a plethora of guests from all walks of life. Uh, and you can find that on uh, just all your social medias and all your pod catchers. You just type in Bat Minute. We should be the only one that pops up. Um, and yeah, yeah, we had a great, great time doing the show. That's why we're still doing it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's why we do this because we have fun. Yeah, yeah. That's true. All right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can go to my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee yippee If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and